This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It is 8.35 in the morning. I'm in Kusa Chong, joined by Sharitz Abdullah and Joyce Ko. Now, last week, US President Donald Trump announced an agreement to reopen the government for three weeks following a record shutdown that lasted 35 days. The US government was shut down on 22nd December after Congress failed to pass a bill to fund the government. Now, the major contention involved the funding of the US-Mexico border wall, which is billed at $5.7 billion. Trump insisted on it, and the Democrats have refused. So for some anal- analysis on the issue, we have on the line Catherine Dan Tempest, a, ton- a non-resident, senior fellow of governance studies with the Brookings Institution. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Catherine. Now, this was the longest shutdown in U.S. history, and thousands of federal government workers were either furloughed or forced to work without pay for over a month. What impact did the shutdown have on the U.S. economy in the short and long term? Well, it affected the economy tremendously. They don't think that the next growth figures will be very good. Um, I think it affects morale across the board. It makes it very difficult for government workers in a lot of different ways, both financially and just sort of um, thinking about their jobs and not being able to go to work when they want to be able to go to work. Um, furthermore, I think a lot of government workers view um, the politicians as sort of taking the government hostage. And instead of working out political disagreements in their proper forum, they are taking the government hostage and closing it down, which calls, causes a great deal of work backlog once people return to work, and it's just generally bad for the federal government as well as for the U.S. economy. Now, Catherine, what were the main pressure, uh, pressure factors leading to the reopening of the government? Well, actually, I think that the biggest pressure factor was that um, the airport in New York, was all, they didn't have enough air traffic controllers, so they had to close the airport, and it was a big important New York airport, and I actually think that that was the final catalyst. Um, At the same time, though, I would also point to the day before in in the Senate, there were votes on two different measures, one that was supported by Trump and one that was supported by the Democrats and and Republicans as well. And Trump's Trump's, uh, measure lost, uh, got fewer votes than uh, than the other measure. And I think that that Thursday night, I think, that his chief of staff and other people in the White House sort of saw the writing on the wall, that this had to end. And then the next morning, they realized there was a crisis at LaGuardia Airport and that the air traffic controllers weren't showing up to work. And uh, the airport, you know, people, the planes were grounded. And I think at that point, that's when he decided to reopen the government and say, okay, for now, this is what we're going to do. Catherine, this is actually the second shutdown that occurred under the Trump administration. So how has the shutdown affected perceptions on uh, President Donald Trump and his ability to push his agenda forward? Well, I think it makes it seem as though he's not as good good of a negotiator as he campaigned to be. Um, The two shutdowns were different. Um, I think the second shutdown was truly unique in the sense that he had agreed to a certain amount of funding for border security, and uh, Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell put the bill to the floor. The, the bill passed, so it had passed the House and the Senate, and they sent it to the White House. And the president said, "I'm not going to send. I'm not going to sign it." And this is after he had previously agreed to sign it. So everybody was baffled, and the only thing people could point to was that two conservative talk show hosts criticized him for not sticking to his campaign promise of building a wall. And I think that that really got to the president because he then changed his mind. He did a complete 180 and said, the, the bill that I previously told you I supported, now I don't support it anymore. So we're closing down the government. And I want my wall. And not only that, I want $5.87 billion. 
So, you know, he had previously agreed and told people on Capitol Hill that he was willing to accept a lot less money, and then everything changed. And so, you know, people didn't know what to do. And um, it was very difficult to, to negotiate because he was really standing firm on wanting $5.87 million for a wall. Catherine, why is this U.S.-Mexico wall so important to President Trump? And didn't he in the first place want the Mexicans to pay for this wall? Yeah, I think it's only important to President Trump because he campaigned on it. And as you pointed out, rightly so, not only did he campaign on it, but he also said that the Mexicans would pay for it. And at the time, reporters and citizens were asking, how on earth are you going to get Mexico to pay for it? Um, and he would say, I'm going to do it. Don't worry. You know, I'm a good negotiator. Look at how successful I've been in business. I'll be able to do it. Uh, you know, fast forward, you know, 20 some months, there's no way that Mexico is going to pay for this wall. And furthermore, um, it's important to point out that there was actually funding to build a wall on part of the southern border during the Bush administration and during the Obama administration. And they actually did build, for parts of the, of the border, they actually have built walls. Um, it's just it's not a contiguous wall. And so a lot of people are really questioning what he's talking about because we already have part of the border already has some walls. And then other parts of the border have more high-tech um, capacity and ability to, to to prevent people from crossing the border. So, you know, as the Democrats point out, it's not that they're against border security. A physical wall is just not the right answer. And furthermore, we already have some walls at the border. So it, it, to many people on the outside, it's just sort of nonsensical. And I actually think that it's really come down to semantics. Maybe if, if he would be willing to define the wall as any type of border security, then he would take it. You know, it's almost as though you just want to say, how about if we give you all this money for border security and you can call it a wall, but we just don't want to build a physical wall. But I really think it comes down to the fact that he campaigned uh, and his base is very, very hardcore, very, um, many would say anti-immigration. They would like to really reduce the numbers of people entering the country. And for some reason, I think they think it's symbolic to have a physical wall and that that would be effective. Now, the retrieve is a temporary and uh, to allow government workers to be paid. Now, what is the likelihood of the government shutting down again after three weeks? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Friday, when they decided to open it for three weeks, and Saturday, when news came out about how you know it's really hurt the economy, um, not only that, all of these government workers are facing mountains of work because they haven't been at work for, for so long. I sort of thought, okay, they'll come to some agreement, and maybe they will. Um, there is a bipartisan group that is trying to work out and negotiate a compromise between both parties. But I honestly think that Donald Trump is not going to settle for anything less than a literal wall, funding for a literal wall. And I just don't see the Democrats moving on that. So I would like to say that, no, we probably won't have another shutdown, that he's just... He's standing firm now, but he'll actually soften as it gets closer to the three-week mark. But I can't really say that with confidence. He may well um, hold the government hostage again on this wall and have another shutdown. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of it. At the same time, what's happening in the Senate is Democrats are trying to introduce bills that would prevent further shutdowns. And basically what would happen is if budget bills weren't passed by the deadlines, they would just use the funding they used the previous year. And the, uh, the point of it is to take the government shutdowns out of the hands of politicians and, and for the government employees not to be pawns um, that are held hostage in these political disagreements. 
I don't think that legislation can pass fast enough to prevent the president from from um, calling for another shutdown in three weeks. But I think it's probably a really good idea to figure out a way to get rid of uh, of this of the ability of presidents to call for a shutdown. The other option is that people say that the president might call. Um, the border a, a, a national emergency, and when there is a national emergency, the president has certain powers. And some people think that he might say that the immigration problem is so bad that it's a national emergency. Therefore, I need the, the funding for a wall. There are some constitutional scholars who say that that is not likely to be upheld in the courts. I'm not a constitutional scholar or a lawyer, so I'm not really sure what the answer to that is. But his other plan of action is to declare a national emergency. Catherine, thank you so much for shedding light on a complex issue. That was Catherine Duntempest, a non-resident senior fellow of Governance Studies with the Brookings Institutions. The business headlines are coming next, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.